0: This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast. It's a tough start for the Rockies. Drew is pointing to some of the reasons why. Zach Goodman joins the show to talk baseball, the new rules, some of the hotter teams around the league, and of course, the Avalanche. Where's
1: the depth scoring going to come in? You hope a guy like Newhook maybe can make a difference. Dennis mountain has been such a pleasant surprise for the Avalanche this year, but I think that the depth of their forwards is uh, something that's going to be tested, and that's going to be uh, maybe the difference in them winning the Cup or not.
0: Subscribe to the Drew Good podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend this is the drew goodman podcast welcome in folks it is show number 198 and we are well into april the baseball season into its third week and the playoffs are starting in nhl hockey and nba basketball in fact As we tape this on a Tuesday, normally I tape Wednesday, but tomorrow's a travel day. The Rockies heading to Philadelphia, so uh, we'll be unable to tape tomorrow. So I'm doing it on a Tuesday. And uh, the Avalanche begin their quest for another Stanley Cup. The Nuggets played on Sunday and played splendidly against the Minnesota Timberwolves. But last night, came home after the game, and uh, my youngest son and I, Gabe, were, were on the couch, and we got to watch two overtime games. We got to watch... The two-overtime affair between Dallas and Minnesota, in which the Stars dominated throughout, and you just know this is going to happen in playoff hockey. They dominated, and yet they lost the game because Minnesota got a chance, loose puck in front, they buried the puck, and in the second overtime, they steal game one down in Dallas. It was thrilling. I I didn't have a dog in the hunt, but it was thrilling. And then we were watching, kind of in between, we watched... Edmonton, a heavy favorite, one of the favorites along with the Avalanche to come out of the West with McDavid and Drysidel and that crew. They're playing the LA Kings, tough team to play against. Everybody said they're kind of a sleeper in the West. Well, the Kings, in overtime, stole the game against the Edmonton Oilers to go up 1-0. And again, it was it was edge of your seat hockey, edge of your seat, just sports viewing. And I didn't have I could care less who won either affair. It's awesome, so I can't wait for uh, for hockey tonight. Going to break it down with uh, my middle son Zach, who is bonkers about hockey in general, but specifically the Avalanche. He's a huge Avalanche fan. He studies hockey. knows the analytics. Um, he knows the game really well. Um, I've told you before. He's uh, He's still playing college baseball, and we're going to talk uh, Major League Baseball. We're going to talk NHL hockey, and we're going to focus in on the avalanche uh, with Zach here in uh, in a few minutes. Um, I want to get to the, to the Rockies. It's been uh, a poor start. No other way to describe it. I don't want to say that, boy, this is unexpected because... I think if they were completely healthy to start the season, there would still be some challenges. Um, they don't have a deep rotation. Um, I think their bullpen is better, and certainly it'll be better when when Daniel Bard returns, and we're on uh, the cusp of seeing that. He threw a, a very effective ball game down in Albuquerque, and uh, I'm thrilled to see him back because of what he's overcome and what he's uh, trying to overcome again, and that is anxiety—something that he is upfront about can't tell you how much respect and admiration I have for Daniel Bard. Um, we know the Rockies uh, in spring training uh, lost a guy who, who you hope um, was starting to emerge as a star level player both ways in Brendan Rodgers, Gold Glover last year. And we've seen the bat at different periods of time uh, be a really good bat, uh, um, a, a bat that's hopefully going to eventually be a 20 homer bat um, and and a fairly high average bat. Gone uh, for the year. Sean Bouchard's a guy that uh, showed nicely late last year. He's gone for the year. Um, Even with those guys, the the Rockies were going to be challenged. So I'm not here to suggest otherwise at all. But without those guys, um, it it has been a really poor start, Um, and, and especially defensively. Uh, they were bad defensively last year, and they've been bad so far defensively this year. And it's not just physical errors. I know Eliris Montero is, you know, quote unquote, a work in progress at third base. And he puts in the time. Um, he has to, you know, get better with his footwork, understand when he needs to come get a baseball as opposed to, you know, drop stepping. And and once you make an error, and and for those that played the game at any level, once you make a miscue... There's mental anguish that you then have to overcome. Am I going to make another one? Oh, no, the ball's hit at me again, and I don't handle this one smoothly. And um, it, it can be um, a sport that just tears you down. And we so frequently focus about the offensive portion of the difficulty of baseball. But it's there defensively also, if you, if you have a couple of miscues. Well, Montero's going through that. And as a whole, the, the Rockies, not just the physical miscues, but you know, holding on to the baseball sometimes in the outfield, throwing to the wrong base, not completing double plays that need to be completed. And uh, they were not good last year, and they're off to a poor start this year. Is it addressable? Are they addressing it? Yes, obviously. They're working at it. But some of it is You know what? You're not going to be as good as you were when you had Nolan Arenado, Trevor Story, and DJ LeMahieu in your infield. And for a couple of those years, you also had Mark Reynolds, who was really good at first. I think Krohn's fine. I think McMahon is a good defender. I think that Tovar, as he becomes more seasoned, will be a good defender. I think you'll see improved range from him. But right now, the Rockies are not a good defensive team. And, And... you know they're hurting in, in a number of areas, and that's why their record, you know, is very poor. As uh, we chat on this afternoon, uh, you know, this podcast, they've been they've been difficult to watch. But this is part of the process. Because anybody out there that e- even the most ardent and and optimistic Rockies fan, if your eyes were wide open, you knew that the Rockies are in a rebuilding mode. However, you want to characterize it, that's where they are right now. They were good in seventeen. They were good in eighteen. They have not been good since, and now they have to make the transition to bringing up younger players over a period of time. It's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a few years. I go back to the Houston Astros. I unless you live down there, I don't think people realize because now when you talk about the Astros, you talk about you know a perennial winner, uh, a perennial uh, championship, World Series contender, right? they just won one. They lost 100-plus games three straight years. And then they drafted well. They did well signing internationally. They made some some shrewd trades that panned out. And now you look at their talent base, even though they've lost some guys to free agency. You know, Springer was removed from that roster a couple of years ago. They've lost some pitching. This year we'll see how they, they do without Justin Verlander. But... By and large, they, they've they've continued to win. So what the Rockies need to do is they have to develop and acquire young talent. They've gotten better as a farm system, considerably so. They're a consensus top half, and in some uh, people's estimations, a top 10 farm system. They need to keep growing in that regard with the draft that's upcoming in a, in a couple of months, with uh, international signings and they've gotten better in Latin America. They also need to make some shrewd trades and it's not, you know, blockbuster trades. It's more with and hopefully this happens this summer, you know, with some veteran guys where you can pick off even if they're mid-level prospects where they can be a piece to the puzzle, you know, 2-3 years down the road when some of the guys who are presently in the system are ready to make bona fide contributions at the big league level. It, it, it's impossible to hurry the process and it's painful when you're going through it. And I'd be the first to admit it's, it's, they've been tough to watch at times, um, but that is how this thing eventually will turn around. And there have been some, you know, minor positives here and there that we've witnessed. Noah Davis in Seattle, who last year pitched one inning, and and this year, you know, he showed up. I know it's one start, but for five innings, he was really good against Seattle. He was really good against Seattle. And, And the stuff is solid, so you hope he can build on that. I'll give you another guy whose numbers aren't good, but I'm intrigued by, and that's Ryan Feltner. Because the stuff is there, it's an above-average fastball, it's an above-average curveball, it, it's a really solid changeup at times. Um, he has walked too many. He has missed in situations that require him to, you know, put his foot down and limit damage. Seattle was a was a great illustration of that. He had three tremendous innings. I mean, just top shelf innings. And then in the fourth, you know, he got nicked a little bit and then he walked a guy, then he walked another guy. And even after the base hit by J.P. Crawford, it was a two to one ball game. You felt like, man, he's been on the mound for 20 minutes, but it was still two to one. He still could have worked his way out of it and limited the damage, something that happens with maturity, with experience. And he's only got about 20, I think 22 starts, something like that at the big league level. But I am intrigued by him. And so every time he goes out, you want to see growth. I'll give you another guy that when he showed up, he got hit around quite a bit. And now when he comes in the game late in the ball game, I have have a ton of confidence. He's nasty. And that's Justin Lawrence. So he's an example of somebody that, you know, has grown a young piece of the puzzle. Tovar is going to grow day by day. There are going to be some lumps I'll tell you this about Tovar. He was getting a lot of hits to right field, and he's, you know, he, he's still naturally trying to figure it out. And very, very few people. I'll talk to Zach about this in a little bit. Very, very few people arrive at the big league level and dominate from jump street. Just doesn't happen. Does not happen. This kid, he's just twenty-one. He is really strong. If you watch his batting practice, you would think you're watching, you know a middle-of-the-order veteran who's super strong and weighs 240 pounds, take BP. I mean, he hits it out to every corner of the ballpark, and I mean way out of the yard. Now, some of that has to start happening in big league games. Again, not overnight, but it's in there. It's in there. Watch the Nuggets on Sunday dismantle Minnesota. Great to see high energy, great intensity. Uh, they didn't even need, you know, more than about 28 minutes from Jokic. He fouled out, uh, set the tone, I thought, early in the game. He had a double-double at halftime, 13 points, 10 rebounds. He he did not have, you know, out-of-this-world numbers. But he's a he, – I saw – let me start here. I saw where a lot of folks Nashley said, okay, you know, this is on Jokic. They're picking players that there's a lot of pressure on, Um to perform well, to give their team a chance to go far in the playoffs. Jokic always performs well. I don't think there's pressure on him. There's pressure on Jamal Murray. There's pressure on uh, MPJ, Michael Porter Jr. Those those are the guys that the pressure should be on. I know what you're going to see from Jokic. You get it every night, regular season, and we've seen in the postseason. He's, he's going to produce triple-double numbers. He's going to be a handful for a variety of guys that try to cover him. He's that good. He made a length-of-the-court bounce pass in that game uh, on Sunday against Minnesota that was just flat-out gorgeous. I mean, it was just unbelievable. It's not just a vision, but the execution of the pass. He's gonna He's going to do his thing. The other guys need to step up, and they certainly did. I mean, Jamal Murray finally looked like the Jamal Murray we saw in the bubble a few years ago. And I was really impressed with how hard Michael Porter Jr. played and how aggressive he was. I said, I think it was a week or two ago, in assessing the Nuggets, the question I have, and they play just one game, folks. I I get it. But the question I have is, will they be tough enough when things get really physical Will they be able to answer that physicality? And I thought they were the more physical team and set the tone, again, against a team they should beat in round one. I understand that. But it was a good start and, uh, and it was fun to watch. All right, I'm going to uh, bring in my middle son, who is, uh, as I said, he's he's uh, a fifth-year college baseball player he's getting his second degree in business and he has one in communications and he is an aspiring broadcaster i'll, I'll let you know that and I, I love to talk sports with him and uh he can really break down the abs as you'll hear and and uh, we'll also get the perspective from him on the rule changes in baseball and how they are being embraced by his generation so um without further ado my middle son zachary Major League Baseball, as you know, made a lot of changes coming into this year. And the biggest focus has been time of game. And uh, even the Rockies, as we speak, have yet to play a three hour game. They've shaved 30 minutes off of the average Major League Baseball time. And one of the reasons they did this was to try to get the younger generations engaged in watching baseball. Well, you're part of the younger generation. You're unique also because you play baseball, you love baseball. Has it made a difference with you first, and then I'll ask you about your brethren?
1: I think originally I was so against it, uh, but as the seasons played out, it, it is certainly nice that the games don't last three and a half hours. You can you can do other things with your night when the game's over. You don't have to go straight to bed. You can watch a movie before you you got to go do something. It it, it depends, and I, I've enjoyed that aspect of it. Uh, regarding is it going to bring in more fans? We'll we'll see how that says uh, how that how that turns out, but. I'm still on the train of that, you know, even though it's two and a half hours, most of the fans still don't want to sit down for two and a half hours. They're still just going to look up the highlights of the home run and the strikeouts and, and see how all those things played out at the end of the game. And uh, we'll see, we'll see how the viewers, uh, see how viewership goes up or, or however that works out.
0: Have you found when you talk to your teammates or any saying, you know what, I am sitting down and watching more where they consume it the same way they were a year ago. And that's, Yeah, I'm aware of the highlights, but I'm not sitting down there and watching it pitch by pitch.
1: I think there's definitely a a few more guys on my team that have been watching more baseball this year. Um, So uh, I guess to that testament, yeah, there have been uh, a a few more people. But uh, obviously a small sample size and a a very unique situation of college baseball players compared to uh, obviously the rest of the market out there is very small small portion of the market is college baseball players who you hope would already be watching the game anyways. What
0: do you, what do your, your buddies say though? Do they, do they like that? You know, there's less guys tugging on their batting gloves and wandering around. And and it's really more about you got to get in the pot, the box and swing the bat. It's kind of similar to what, how you all play college baseball. There's not a, there's not the allowance for the other things, if you will.
1: Um, Honestly, I haven't even noticed it too much. It, it, obviously, the pace of play is, has picked up, but I I don't enjoy when a guy fouls a pitch off and he's only got seven seconds uh, before you've got to get attentive to the pitcher again. You know, you're putting a uh, – that's a big physical thing to do. You, a lot of physical exertion and swinging the bat as hard as you can, and then you got to start thinking, okay, you know, I was late on that pitch. Maybe he'll go with this pitch here because um, baseball is, is a bit of a chess game, especially when it comes to pitch calling and um, how guys approach each count, and I think that they should have uh, the appropriate amount of time to kind of figure out what they want to do and uh, what their approach to this next pitch should be. I feel like oftentimes it gets rushed with this pitch clock.
0: Are there other aspects of the rule changes or specific rules that um, you say, hey, I like this, um, or perhaps have gone the other way?
1: I enjoy uh, that there's more stealing going on in the game. I think that makes the game a lot more exciting as a catcher. Uh, I was talking to a, a buddy about this yesterday who's a St. Louis Cardinals fan, how mad Gadier Molina would be if he had to play in the game this year because obviously over the course of his career he threw out guys at uh, a fantastic rate uh, stealing second base. And a lot of times this year there's, the catcher just has zero chance to throw the guy out because of the pitch clock and the limited amount of pitch to first base, which the limited amount of pitch to first base, base is the one that I find uh, there's there's really no need for that rule in my opinion, but uh, that 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 rule is certainly uh, I enjoy that there's more stolen bases that adds more action to the game, um, so so that's definitely one of the rules that I have enjoyed.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because most of the focus has been on on time of game and, and trying to get you know more people involved. The the counter to that has been actually. Physically being at the game, and I know because you're playing, you haven't been in a big league game yet this year. But um, you know, people have complained that if they go to get a hot dog and a beer, uh, that they miss an inning and a half in the process. So there is that aspect um, where you used to go to the ballpark and you figured oh, I'm going to be there at least three hours, and now all of a sudden it's like you look up and it's the seventh inning, and and you better hustle if you want to get an alcohol, uh, you, know, a beverage, you know, alcoholic beverage
1: yeah, and I think it goes both ways as you've seen some of the parts have already started pushing back uh, the alcohol uh, ending until the eighth inning. It used to be after the seventh inning. And it, it depends on the the fan and the day as well because if it's a Monday night and you know the kids have school the next day, I'm sure a lot of people are excited that the game's only two and a half hours and they can get their kid home at a reasonable hour but still able to take him to this Cardinals game. or I, I keep saying that of course, Rockies games, i say Cardinals games done in St. Louis, and obviously. Uh, we have all that going on, but at the same time, if it's a Sunday and somebody pays for, you know, an expensive ticket and they want three and a half hours to, to hang out at the ballpark and that's their day and next thing you know, they're out, and, you know, 205 because it was a quick game, uh, they're probably a little bit disappointed too. So we'll see how uh, the reviews come in and um, based off the data that the the MLB collects them this year. There's certainly pros and cons.
0: Yeah. When you look at the competition now on the field, and and I know we're, as you and I taped this, we're in the third week of the season, so it's a very small sample size. We know baseball at the major league level is a marathon. Uh, Has anything surprised you from a team aspect yet um, in terms of what has uh, taken place thus far?
1: Obviously a, a very easy one to point out is that the, the Rays are 14 and 3 at this point, started out 13 and 0. Uh, we expected them to be good. Their, their pitching staff is, is unbelievable. It's, uh, it's almost unmatched in the major leagues. The, the way they go one through, really one through four and, and they're able to, uh, their, their bullpen picks up a lot of the slack as well, obviously very analytically driven. Um, but that, that, that whole division is going to be really good. The AL East. Um, I think the Diamondbacks have been a, a pleasant surprise. Um maybe not so much for, for other teams in the NL West like the Rockies, but they, uh, they have certainly played really well early on and, uh, that it, it really sets up for a really tough NL West. Um and uh, we'll see how everything plays out. I think the Cardinals have been a, a major disappointment so far this year and they really have issues with their pitching staff, their, their starting pitching staff. So, and obviously that's not something that normally goes, uh, with the word or, or team St. Louis Cardinals is struggling on the pitching staff.
0: Yeah, you, we'll, we'll go out to the NOS for a moment. It's interesting because, you know, the teams you highlighted, you mentioned pitching and the sport will never change. You know, we can change rules, we can um, alter certain things, but the sport still comes down to the teams that pitch the best are going to win the most games. And the teams that are most consistent on the mound are going to win the most games. It just never changes, does it?
1: Nope, it never does, and uh, that's that's why a lot of the success obviously has happened for the Rays this year, um, as well as for the Diamondbacks early on. It's, uh, you know they pushed uh, Madison Bumgarner a couple of years ago when they signed him uh, to be their guy, and obviously he's, he's a lot older now, but he's pitching out of that three hole now, and that really uh, gives them a lot more depth. Zach Gallen is 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 incredible, and he's going to be a Cy Young candidate for for years to come, I believe.
0: Yeah, I'm a big. I'm a big Zach Gallon fan. Big Zach Gallen fan for a couple of reasons. One, he's a really good guy, and um, secondarily, he's from the Northeast. And you know, I have a bias from guys who are from the New York, New Jersey area. So, uh, and that's where he's from, and went to Carolina. So, he's a good story. And you're you're right. He's uh, he's terrific. Plus, they're taking advantage. They're a young team, but they're taking advantage of the rules that suggest it's easier to steal bases they're among the league leaders in the early going in, in swiping bags and they're a very young and athletic team and fun to watch
1: yep 100 percent. and uh they're they're building the right way and that's hopefully uh in a young they have a really good young core and that's hopefully what we we see out of the rockies here in a couple years as they uh they continue to bring up the prospects that are in In the lower in in the lower parts of the minor league right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So when guys get together and you guys are talking about individuals, who are the most common names mentioned around baseball that that move the meter in your age group among college baseball players?
1: In terms of uh, who to watch or just...
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, just like, you know, for, for me, I mean, we talk a lot about it, and maybe it's the same way for you, Shohei Ohtani, because he's such a freak. Um, but is it, are there other guys or is it Shohei Ohtani, number one? And, and I'm just curious as to the names that are most frequently mentioned in, in baseball conversations.
1: Yeah, I think as Shohei Ohtani is certainly number one. He's must watch television every time he's on. Uh, it, it, gets harder the farther east you go. Obviously they're playing later at night. Uh, but I, it's, it's obviously Shohei Otani, what he's doing. Uh, there's, there's not too much to be said about it. I'm sure you've touched up on it a million times. It hasn't, it hasn't, uh, it isn't something that's happened in a hundred years since Babe Ruth is doing it. And honestly, he's almost doing it at a higher level. Uh, but I think other guys, I think guys watch a lot of Nolan Arenado just from the defensive standpoint. Obviously he's in St. Louis. We have a lot of Yankees fans. So, uh, Aaron Judge is, is, commonly talked about. Um, a lot of, we, we like Raphael Devers. A lot of guys talk about him, watch him play. Um, but no, I mean, mostly it's just, I, I'd say Shohei Otani is probably that main guy. Garrett Cole has pitched uh, exceptionally well this year. It's fun to watch him pitch, I like watching Dylan Cease. Um, Tim Anderson's fun to watch play, obviously hurt right now. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of. One guy to watch uh, play the game of baseball right
0: now. It, it seems like the game is more athletic than ever before. I'm personally excited about uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back. And, and we're literally, uh, as you and I taped this, he's going to be back in the next couple of days. And, and maybe people have forgotten how freakishly talented he is. And, you know, he was playing shortstop. He's going to come back as a corner outfielder. Uh, you know, this is a guy that, that, that's a 40 homer guy that could be a 40 stolen base guy. He's a freak. And, and because he's been off the radar, uh, because of injury and then the, he got, you know, knocked for PDs and lost 80 games, suspended for 80. Uh, maybe some people have, have lost track of him, but he's really talented.
1: I've said that over and over as people forget this. Uh, he's, how dominant he was right before this injury happened. He was, uh, a, a couple of years ago, his last full healthy season, really the last season he played in, was the year that he was the, the leader for the MVP, the National League MVP, for the majority of the season until Bryce Harper came on at the very end and and uh, and went off at the end and, and, and kind of stole it away from Tatis. But he's that level of player. He's an MVP caliber player. And just because the last year, all the drama that surrounds him and people trying to write him off, but when he's healthy, he's one of the best five baseball players in, in the league.
0: Yeah, and, and that's seeing more athletes in the game is naturally and obviously good for the game, but also going back to what we were conversing about a few minutes ago, I think it also makes the game sexier, hopefully, to the younger generations. Is that, is that a possibility in your mind?
1: Yeah, 100%. And that, and that is one thing that uh, I will say is I'm not a huge fan of of denying the shift, um, but certainly when the shift is in effect, a lot of balls are made. I, I think there's a lot more routine plays where guys don't have to venture off as much from where they're lined up before the pitch. Whereas uh, with without the shift, where they have to you know play straight up wherever uh, the the rules are and the two guys on each side of same base, there's there's more plays where they have to show off their athleticism in the infield to get the balls and. Um, same same goes in the outfield, more room to cover so I think that there is more of an athletic standpoint in the game right now obviously we already mentioned the stolen bases and that's that's something exciting because I don't think people, uh, baseball's always been kind of had that stereotype that you can almost be the fat guy in play and you don't actually have to be super athletic but uh, as you mentioned if you walk into a major league uh, locker room you'd be like these guys are, look like football players they're absolutely jacked, they're ripped and, uh, and they can move at uh, and and do things at an athletic level that people don't normally, that the normal viewer wouldn't know.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great point. You have heard me say that before. That um, I, I think the average a uh, sports fan doesn't realize how big strong and athletic baseball players are now and they do look it's not like when i was growing up 40 years ago and guys would have off season jobs because the money was different and and they kind of show up and get in shape over the the two months of spring training i mean these guys work out naturally all year round like all athletes do and they're big, freakishly athletic, strong, strong folks. And um, I'm with you with, uh, you know, originally I was like, no, you should be able to put your chess pieces anywhere you want on the field. But I do think it highlights how athletic these guys are. And I want to see more exciting plays. Um, So I'm with you uh, on that. And I think – you know, keeping two infielders on one side and not having kind of a short fielder uh, has allowed for that. So, um, yeah, I, I concur. I concur. Um, I want to ask you about um, if you believe going forward um, there is a specific team to beat in Major League Baseball this year? If you had two or three, and, and I know they're probably going to be the, the same names that we come up with, but, you know, you follow it so closely. Do you feel like there's there's a team in there that maybe is not getting, um, you know, the do right now that, that could be a dark horse, if you will, among the better teams in baseball?
1: Oof. I, I, I'm not necessarily sure, just because I think a lot of the teams that uh, were supposed to be good. A lot of them have struggled a little bit. Uh, if you mentioned the Astros, the Dodgers, and the the Padres, uh, have, have certainly not been as as dominant as people expected them to be. Same with uh, the Phillies have really struggled. Uh, but I think the top teams still. You, you look at the Braves, obviously really good. A lot of teams in the AL East. I think a lot of people. One that is overlooked a lot. I think the Toronto Blue Jays are one of the most talented rosters in in the major leagues and uh, certainly not someone that should be overlooked. Alec has struggled a little bit, which is a, a little concerning for them. Um, but it, it, at the end of the day, that is one of the, the most dangerous lineups in baseball, and they have good starting pitching as well.
0: Yeah, and, and really by and large, the teams that are supposed to be good, with the exception of um, a, a few that you mentioned, have gotten off to strong starts and even – you know, take the Padres. They're right around 500. We talked about Tatis coming back. They're going to get Joe Musgrove back, so uh, you can't panic when you're 16 games in. Philadelphia hasn't pitched very well um, yet, but they're going to get Bryce Harper back at some point. Still a, a pretty talented roster, so you know I'm with you. It's going to be exciting this year, and and you know I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the Rockies. I know it's been a horrendous start so far, and they're kind of in transition. What's your hope for them this year? Um, knowing that you know the the playoffs are, are are not on on the horizon, but being a Rockies fan, what do you want to see take place with the club? Uh, as you watch 2023 unfold?
1: I want to see eventually. Uh, uh, first of all, I hope they make some uh, some moves at the deadline with guys who have some value that uh, aren't uh, going to to be a part of the future to hopefully get more guys that can uh, have a chance to be a part of the future. But really, it's a bummer not being able to watch Brendan Rodgers really develop into even more of a, a what was hoping to be more of a star player uh, this season. Obviously, he doesn't get to play. But I think that uh, you hope is uh, I hope personally Ezekiel Tovar has a really year and, and proves that he belongs and and can play at this level and you look at guys like oh, uh, eventually Zach veen will get called up and how does he how will he do michael toglia how how are all these younger guys going to to play because ultimately like you mentioned this season is is not one where the Rockies going be competing for a, a pennant or anything, so it's uh you know come back to where they're building and I think that they're uh, for the first time that you've looked at it in a in a while, they, I think they're on the right direction. They actually their prospect pool has has gotten a lot better, and uh, just want to see some of those guys develop and some of the guys that are near big league ready on that on that list to uh, to have some success at the big league level. And even if they don't have a ton of success getting that experience at the big league level this year, um, is certainly important.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point because even for guys that develop and become stars, it doesn't happen overnight. It's very unusual for a guy like, say, Albert Pujols many years ago to show up and be great from virtually day one. That's very, very unusual. There is a process to becoming good at the big league level, and and your exposure to the big leagues is step number one. So I'm in lockstep with you about that. I'm going to add one more name, and I've been talking about him uh, recently on the broadcast. Um, And and I want to claim him, Zach, you'll appreciate this. I want to claim him, even though he's not truly a family member, but Hunter Goodman can flat out rake. He's at double A. He's gotten off to a great start in Hartford last year. He hit 36 home runs, went to school at Louisville. Um, He was a catcher. He still catches some. The Rockies are playing him in a corner outfield spot and a little bit at first base. But I'm excited about his prospects.
1: Yeah, and uh, obviously with, with Drew Romo, um, right behind him in double A or, uh, or high A, you will see where he eventually ends up. Obviously, Drew Romo, um, very good, uh, defensively as a catcher. But, uh, like you said, at Hartford, he's already batting 313 this year, uh, has four bombs, has been, has been excellent for them. And it's another good name that, uh, the Rockies just, you know, you, you gotta keep building. You, you gotta, uh, uh, just, just keep getting better.
0: More with Drew and Zach talking avalanche right after this boyer's coffee is the best i've told you for many years i start my day with boyer's coffee and in season i have uh two cups i have this is what i do during the ball game i have a mocha from the cafe around the corner on our broadcast level which is a sweet level But I also go downstairs and get um, just a regular Boyer's Coffee, put a little half and half and sugar in it. And um, so I have both going during broadcast. Love my Boyer's Coffee. And you can get it as well at your local market or have it delivered to your house simply by going to boyerscoffee.com. They have a multitude of flavors. They have all kinds of uh, great deals going throughout the year. So go to boyerscoffee.com, brewed in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. You'll be glad you did. Spring is upon us. That means you have to go to your local steel dealer and check out all of the toys they have. They're going to spruce up your yard. Got to do it, man. STIHL, steeldealers.com. There's more than 10,000 around the country. SteelUSA.com. Look through all of the things they have online from Every kind of power tool imaginable. I'm a big battery powered guy. I've been telling you that as well for a long period of time. Uh, it's simple, they have long charges. Um, They're super powerful, so whether it's a chainsaw or a trimmer or a hedge cutter, any of those items, so many, many more that you just have to go check them out. They got the orange background. They're unmistakable. Amateurs like us love it, and the pros love steel products as well. It's SteelUSA, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com or SteelDealers.com. To the Goodmans. All right, I want to segue to um, maybe your favorite team of all out there. I know you're a huge Rockies fan, uh, but you love the Avalanche as I do. Uh, last year, uh, Avalanche Nation was rewarded with a Stanley Cup, and this year they've withstood just countless injuries st- to still be in the conversation as one of the cup favorites this year. So on the it's not even the Eve because it's later today as we tape this, the Avalanche will play game one against the Seattle Kraken. Let me begin here with the Avalanche. What will be for you satisfactory at the end of their run? Is it again Stanley Cup or Bust, or or do you, you know, hedge your bets a little bit because of the numerous injuries and the fact that Gabriel Landescog is not available?
1: No, I think it's Stanley Cup or bust. I think that I'd personally be okay if if you know they lost to uh, the Boston Bruins or something like that in in a tough Stanley Cup series. But I think just the loss of Gabriel Landeskog and that can't be understated. He's uh, personally my favorite athlete probably ever, uh, and the, the presence he brings to a room as a leader uh, and on the ice, standing up for guys, and just as a power forward in front of the net. It's obviously before you even get into his leadership skills. He's a fantastic player to begin with. And that's not a a, a loss that's going to help them, obviously. But I don't think it's something to write them off. I still think that uh as they're completely healthy outside of Gabriel Landeskog, now. This is the first time since early in the season that they're going to put out their all of their top six defensemen. And they still have the best D-Core in the league. Uh Georgiev has has been a top four Vesna guy in receiving votes. He, he tied the Linus Elmark, who was on the greatest hockey team, regular season hockey team of all time this year for wins in the league um, for first. So I don't think that the Avs are, are in a position where uh, I, I think they're still in a position where they, they should be competing for a cup and that it should be cup or bust, um, especially uh, the way that the West uh, has looked for the majority of the year. It has looked better at the end of the year. But the Avs are still really talented, and outside of Gabriel Landis' uh look to be completely healthy going into the postseason. Guys are obviously probably banked up. you would be playing through some stuff. Uh, but the lineup, the, the the first lineup is going to be basically everyone except for Gabriel Landeskog.
0: You know, what's been remarkable for me is that the Avalanche have just rotated goalies the last few years. And it, and it used to be thought, you know, you can steal series with a great goaltender and, and you have to have that number one backstop. And not saying that the Avalanche don't believe that, but they've gone through some goaltenders. In fact, they're going to face one of their old goaltenders when they take on Seattle. So my question for you is, and you watch every game and you study this, is Georgiev better suited to steal a game than last year's Stanley Cup champion Darcy Kemper?
1: I think 100%. We mentioned this throughout... uh all of the year last year and, and last year was a little bit different because the avalanche was so dominant in almost every single game they played where they were out shooting the other team by twenty shots a game it felt like every single game they outshot the other team uh when they were healthy last year. They were you know one of the best regular season teams of all time last year as well. And, and obviously then they end up winning the Stanley Cup, so you go down as one of the best teams in the salary cap era. And so I don't think Darcy Kemper had as many opportunities to steal a game. But I've talked about this with, with some friends and, and, and people over the course of the years that Georgiev has had several games this year where the Avalanche just certainly did not deserve to win, but Alexander Georgiev did. And he, and he took the game to the Avs. And I don't think Darcy Kemper really had any of those. Uh, and like I mentioned, there probably wasn't as many opportunities for him to, to have those games, but there's a lot of advanced metrics, uh, that, that show that Darcy Kemper, that the Avs had one of the, for Stanley Cup champions in recent years had one of the worst goaltending performances in the playoffs, um, from a, from a goaltender last year when they won it with, with Darcy Kemper. And he was obviously dealing with getting, uh, poked in the eye and having to almost relearn to see every day. So uh, credit to him. And, and it's not like he played bad by any stretch. Uh, but the, for, for a Stanley Cup champion, the app system kind of every goalie who kind of wanders in here ends up having a career year as lately, just because the app system and the defense that uh, plays in front of them, Georgiev has been fantastic this year. Darcy Kemper was excellent last year. And then Drew Bauer of Vesna finalist in his final season with Colorado. And obviously hasn't had uh, the same amount of success since he's moved to Seattle. So I think a lot of it also goes with the system that the Avalanche run.
0: How frightening are the Kraken?
1: Out of every uh, playoff team, I'd probably say the least frightening uh, the, the, they're young. They've never been in the uh, postseason. Obviously, there's going to be, I think game three will be an awesome atmosphere in Seattle. Uh, but I don't think that they have the star power at, at any, in any sense of the term to match up with Colorado Avalanche. And if the Avs can stay healthy, I think this is a series that they can get out of here in five or six. Um, obviously it's, it's hockey though. It's playoff hockey and, and the Kraken can play very tight hockey. Um, they roll four lines. Uh, the, it, the depth of their their team is pretty excellent. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, obviously, you can't overlook any opponent, but I think that the As out of any team that they could have gotten in the first round in the Western Conference, the, the Kraken are probably at the top of the list of who you'd want to play. They,
0: they skate well though. I mean, they are a team that you know short of Edmonton's top couple of lines have the ability to skate with the avalanche. Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, they, uh, they can to uh, an extent. When you look at their young guys like Matty Bernier and um, some some other good stories um, that they've had, but I, I think a, a big miss is they're not going to have a, a former AB last year in and Andre Burikoski, um at least to start the series. We'll see if he um, can play later on in the series. Uh, but I think the abs are just so dominant at five on five, and especially the uh, the Seattle does not have a great power play. The Avs have been uh, uh, sometimes struggled on the penalty kill um, this year, so I think that that uh, that benefits the Avs in that sense as well.
0: One of the questions that always crops up with a team that's won it, and it's one of the reasons I respect Tampa Bay so much, is that year in and year out, you know, they won two straight cups and they get to the finals. Is that they? have the the same passion to be the last one standing. And it is such a rigorous road to win 16 Stanley Cup playoff games and be the last one standing. You've heard many times where a really talented team, they say, well, they didn't have the same focus, they didn't have the same desire, the same want to uh, the next year. Uh, Is there any way, you know, we're not in the locker room. We have no idea, but uh, just watching them closely, uh, do you have any feel for that?
1: No, I think that they, I think that they wanted just as bad as they they ever did. And I think that it's going to turn up, um, as you saw that they needed to win at the end of the season, and they were dominant the last month of the season, month plus. Um, And, and once the playoffs turns on, everyone flips a switch. And I think that I was going to say this uh, from a fan standpoint. But also as a as a competitive person, you uh, there there hasn't been a, since I've been alive. Um, I haven't gotten to watch any of my teams win a. Uh, I was born in 2000. Obviously, the Ass won in 01. Um, the Rockies had that run in 07. The Broncos won in 2015. But my my teams are mostly the Rockies and the the Avalanche. So when the Avalanche won that championship last year, it's like the first time that. I've really had, uh, my major sports team win a championship and it was awesome. And I remember a few days after I was like, well, I already want the next one. And if I wanted it that bad and I want to be part of this dynasty, uh, that the Avalanche have a chance to build with this, their, their elite core that they have and the expectations that they, they set and that the league has set for them, uh, I can't imagine how big of a passion that burns I- inside of the Avalanche locker room because uh, they have an opportunity to not just be. There, it's one thing to win a Stanley Cup, and it's another to be a part of a dynasty, and that's where you really get your names etched in NHL history. Uh, when you look at what the Blackhawks did, um, and what the, and honestly, what the Lightning are doing right now, and those are those are something that uh, you don't often. It, every once in a while, I think you get a chance to play for a Stanley Cup. Not many guys in their career will ever get a chance to. Uh, have a chance to be a part of a dynasty, and I think that the Avalanche have a chance to do that. And I think that that's something that uh, uh, might burn a fire in there. you yeah. them, this year.
0: Yeah. You know what? I don't. I don't disagree. I'll remind you that um, I just turned sixty, as you know, a couple days ago, and. Um, I think of Dan Marino. Dan Marino went to a Super Bowl, he, I think it was his rookie year, never went again. And, you you know, he's been quoted as saying, yeah, you just assume, oh, I'll, you know, we'll be back there. This, this was pretty easy. Think of being a Chicago Cub fan for all those years. Think of being, I mean, generations, people were were born and passed away, and they never won anything. Boston, the same thing. So the fact that you at 22 have seen one of your teams have a parade, consider yourself fortunate. I think of the the great people of Cleveland. I know they won one with the Cavaliers, um, you know, with LeBron uh, a few years back. But I mean, the, it's been a long time since the the Guardians, and prior to that, obviously the Indians. Won anything. and There's a lot of cities. They're like, come on, man. Give me something to, to hang my hat on, right? Oh, I
1: know. And that's why I, I, it is funny that I wanted just a, a championship so badly. And then once you get one, you're like, Oh, I want more. It's real easy to get greedy. Um, but I, it certainly don't, I, I certainly don't take the experience we had last year for granted. I'm sure uh, no one on the app does uh, as well. Um, and, and I hope the, the viewers in Colorado, it was such an awesome experience, the, the way that the city was, uh, the energy in the city and obviously just such a, a cool team to rally behind. But, uh, uh like you said, there's, uh, it's, it's always on to the next one. That's in the past. And I think that, uh, the answer is driven as ever, um, to, to go get another cup. Yeah.
0: We're, we're in a society, in a world where what have you done for me lately in, in so many different, uh, uh, Places, not just in sports. So let me ask you this. Is there an aspect of the avalanche as they embark on trying to repeat? Is there an aspect of the avalanche, despite all of the injuries, and despite being without the aforementioned Gabriel Landeskog, where they're actually, in your mind, better than they were a year ago?
1: I think think the only argument you could probably make uh, is in net. I think Georgiev is a, is a, an uptick from, uh, what, um Darcy Temper gave the abs last year. Georgiev has just been fantastic. Um, and it's nice to have Frantz back healthy. Obviously he had a, he played a large role in the playoffs end last year. So, uh, we'll see. I, I, I don't think other than that, that there's really anywhere you can look at the roster and, and, and be honest and say, Hey, you know, this is a better, this is a better team than last year because last year's team was really special. And when, when you have a team that's special, obviously guys have to leave. So uh, I, I don't think that this team is as good as last year's team, but that doesn't mean that they can't get to the pinnacle of the sport as last year's team did. I think that the only place you'd probably look at is maybe goaltending, um, and then they, they do have a completely healthy d right now, which they had before uh, Gerard got hurt in round two last year as well. Um, but it, it, you'll, you'll need guys to, to step up. Valerie Natushin was obviously so fantastic in last year's playoffs, but he also had Nazim He stepped up big time when Nazim Kadri was out of the lineup. Well, obviously Nazem Khaji isn't an av anymore. And I think Natushin can play a large role. conference stepped up from being that third center to he's going to have to drive that second line and, and get some power play minutes as well. Uh, so I think the uh, Comfort is going to be a, a huge part um, as well as Nachushin, the, the, is the asking repeat. Because you know the McKinnon and Rantanen are going to get their points. They're going to do what they do. Um, so where's the depth scoring going to come in? Um, you hope a guy like Newhook maybe can can make a difference. Dennis Mountain has been such a, a pleasant surprise for the Avalanche this year. But I think that the depth of their forwards is uh, something that's going to be tested, and that's going to be uh, maybe the difference in them winning the Cup or not.
0: All right. Um, did you catch the Nuggets, by the way, in Game 1?
1: I watched uh, the first the first half of it, and it was getting late, and they uh, just, they kept pushing the start time of that game back. And they were playing so well that they kind of uh, kind of knew they were gonna to pull it out. So I turned it off at halftime. But uh, another good win for them.
0: Yeah, it was a good start for them, and uh, exciting time. I stayed up late with your uh, with your youngest brother last night and watched uh, two overtime games. L.A. surprising Edmonton. And uh Dallas dominating for two overtime periods, yet still uh ending up uh losing to the Minnesota Wild. And it was it was night one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you're reminded what a great, great spectacle the NHL playoffs are. Oh, it's it's
1: fantastic. That the, the the Kings are gonna be a really tough out for the Oilers, as talented as they are, and I, I like the Oilers, but the, the Kings play a brand of of hockey that's really uh, well suited for the playoffs and, uh, they gave the Oilers all they could handle last year and I think they're going to do it again this year. Uh, the stars in the wild series, I can't see it not going seven. That's going to be a, a fantastic series. And for the at stake, I hope every game goes to double overtime like it did last game where wear those, wear those guys out. But, uh, there's talent on both of those sides and Ottinger so great for the stars, but Gustafson has been, uh, just fantastic for the wild in the second half of the year.
0: But, well buddy good luck on the field today and uh and this weekend i love you appreciate the time man All right, love you. you know what i'd be lying if i didn't tell you that uh i have immense 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 pride in zach and uh his older brother jacob and his younger brother gabe um we are fortunate they are they're great young men and um i appreciate you uh Listening in on on his takes on uh, on sports and in general. Um, so there you go. Uh, a quick fix. I said that um, Hunter Goodman went to Louisville. Hunter Goodman went to Memphis. I don't know why I said Louisville. A lot of a lot of catchers come out of Louisville. Henry Davis who went to my high school. Came out of Louisville. Will Smith, the terrific catcher for the Dodgers, went to Louisville. So I was thinking Louisville, but. Uh, Hunter Goodman went to Memphis. Hope you enjoyed this edition. Rocky's out on the road in Philadelphia and then on to Cleveland to play a good Guardians team in the next week. So we'll, uh, we'll come to you in seven days from the road. Take care. Stay well, everyone. Go Avs. Go Nuggets. Go Rockies. See you.